Warner Solicitors provide advice on a range of legal matters to individuals, families and businesses. The leading legal directories regularly recognise Warners as offering some of the best legal advice in the region. This series of podcasts will give you an insight into some of the legal issues that may affect you and your family. Hello, I'm Paul Harvey, and today I'm with Matthew Aves, who is partner and family mediator and team leader at Warner's Law. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much. So the format of today's podcast will be a general update on family law. And I'm going to open the questioning by saying that we're now eight months on from the introduction of the new no-fault divorce legislation. And from a lawyer's perspective, what are the major changes that you've seen and has it had the desired impact for separating couples? As you say, the new legislation came into force back in April of this year. We're still slightly in the, the suck it and see stage because uh, we're only just getting to the stage uh, in those actions that were issued back in, in April where the final orders are coming through. From a lawyer's perspective, we haven't noticed a great deal of difference other than perhaps we actually get less involved in the divorce itself. Now, when we talk about the divorce, we're referring to people getting unmarried and the financial proceedings and any proceedings in relation to the children are separate. So perhaps the primary difference that we've noticed is that the new procedure is so straightforward that people are doing the divorce process themselves and they're looking to us for assistance in relation to the finances and and the children's side of things. As far as the client is concerned, it's presumably that much easier because it's it's an online application for a divorce and arguably getting divorced is just as easy as buying a car on eBay these days. There are some issues in relation to cases which are slightly out the ordinary because anything which doesn't fit absolutely squarely within the parameters of the online system seems to drop out of the system and get internally delayed. Has it had the desired impact for separating couples? Now, slightly controversially, I I had my doubts about no-fault divorce per se because the campaigning that there was over the years was very much on the premise that Uh, if you took the fault out of divorce, then you necessarily lessen the temperature in any associated proceedings. And I'm not convinced that that is the case, because people that are going to argue about money argue about money, and people that are going to argue about children argue about children. Mm -hmm. And the fact that their divorce petition was based on, whether it be adultery or behaviour or one of the other facts that we had, doesn't, in my view, have a particular impact on how contentious or acrimonious the balance of the proceedings are. There's also the issue that perhaps because divorce is so easy now, there are a lot more divorce petitions being issued than there were previously that are not actually progressed. So they get to the stage of being served and then perhaps people change their mind because they've issued it in a fit of peak. And so then the action just sits there and it will be interesting to see in a couple of years' time how many dormant divorce cases there are sitting on the government system. And is there a a cost saving for separating couples with this new legislation? Well, the cost saving is that because the process is online and because it is so straightforward, because it is a no-fault system, you probably don't need any legal advice from your solicitor in relation to the actual divorce. So historically, we generally tended to work on the basis that it took about two or three hours of chargeable time in order to conduct a straightforward divorce from start to conclusion. And yes, there probably is a saving there, 
in that now all that you're paying is the court fees, which amount to a little under £700, and that's it. Now, I've heard a lot about a crisis in the family court. You mentioned about the court, so I've heard a lot about a, uh, a crisis in the family courts at the moment. Has that been your experience? Very much so. There is a big crisis in the family courts, and there has been for some years. Pre-pandemic, we experienced a number of years of decreasing funding for the courts. The pandemic made things worse because the court system just didn't seem to be able to function whilst people were working from home or wasn't set up for, for people working from home. The number of judges that are available has, has diminished over the years because being a judge has become a less attractive option. And we are routinely facing cancellations of hearings the day before. And I think at one stage last year as a department, we had a quick tot up and we reckoned at that stage that you probably had something around a one in three chance of your hearing being cancelled the day before, which is a very significant problem because uh, you will have spent all the money in preparing for the hearing. You may have incurred barrister's fees, which uh, you won't get back. You would have incurred solicitor's fees, some of which can be used at a subsequent hearing or the preparation work can be used at a subsequent hearing. But there's no recompense from the court system. So you get cancelled the day before and you might well have lost... I don't know, four or five thousand pounds, which you'll never get back. And then you get another hearing date, which is perhaps six, eight months down the line, and there's no priority given to your case then against the background of you having been cancelled previously. So you may get cancelled again, and then there's another four or five thousand pounds that's gone down the drain. And again, no compensation uh, that is available from the court system. And we've actually had some cases where the problems with the court have actually been the factor which has settled the case because people get so fed up with waiting for court time or they get so fed up with cancellations that they actually come together and, and settle their case because they'd rather spend the money themselves than on lawyers and a court system that isn't functioning. One of the problems that flows from having a court system which isn't functioning properly is that as lawyers who are prosecuting a case on behalf of a client, we have very little teeth. Because historically, if someone didn't do something that they were supposed to do, if they didn't file a document they were supposed to file or they didn't provide replies to questions that they should have filed with the court, then we could make an application to the court and three weeks down the line there would be a court hearing and a judge would sit and listen and would hopefully make some sort of order which compelled them to comply with the order that they hadn't complied with. But now, if I make an application today and I say that Mr Jones hasn't filed his Form E when he should have done, the court will probably list that in April or May of next year. And they will probably cancel it the day before as well. So in terms of teeth that lawyers have in order to make disagreeable participants comply, we're very much handicapped. And of course, the court system isn't a priority. We're in a situation where we've got pretty much every public service thinking about striking over the next couple of months. We've got far more pressing issues in terms of funding than the court service. It doesn't get into the press. It, it isn't a media favourite. And so the system just gets worse and worse and worse. And people don't believe just how bad it is until uh, they get involved in it. And all of that really puts people in a situation where they are very much needing to consider alternative dispute resolution approaches, so mediation, arbitration, roundtable meetings, because if the court system isn't functioning, if you can't rely on it to assist you, then you need to come up with another idea. Matthew, what are your predictions for the year ahead? 
Well, that's a difficult one. Divorce work has always been, for whatever reason, connected to the property market. And we've generally found over the years that uh, if the property market is in decline, then the number of instructions that we receive in respect of the divorce goes down as well. We work in an area in Tunbridge and Sevenoaks where we're perhaps in a little bit of a bubble as far as the property market is concerned because we don't mm. seem to be, take the hits that other areas take when the property market drops. In terms of trends, we are in seeing an increasing number of, uh, of prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements. So perhaps that's the way things are going, that people are trying to get their ducks in a row uh, in anticipation of their marriage or perhaps immediately post-marriage so that they don't necessarily have to have too much recourse to the system if things do go wrong. What are the things that someone should look out for or consider when choosing a family lawyer? You want to be looking for someone that is at an appropriate level of qualification, so has a few years of experience. You probably want to look for someone who has a bit of history in the area. And when you meet them, they need to be someone that you get on with and they need to be someone who inspires a sense of confidence in you. If you've gone to someone who doesn't do that or who you feel uncomfortable with, then you've still got the option of asking to see someone else within the same firm. And be wary of individuals who don't appear to be particularly authoritative or who are reluctant to give any specific advice in relation to, to questions that you ask because there can be a habit among family lawyers just to try and avoid the question and say, well, we can't really tell you about that until we've seen full and frank financial disclosure, until we're somewhere down the line. If you go in with all your facts and you're able to present those facts, then the lawyer that you see, even at the initial appointment, should be able to give you some sort of general idea as to what outcome you can expect. Thank you very much, Matthew, for expanding on this update on family law issues. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you directly, how can they do that? I'm based in the, in the Seven Oaks office. The telephone number there is 01732 747 900. And my email address there is m.aves at warners.law. That's great. Thanks very much. I've been with Matthew Eaves today, who is partner and family mediator and team leader at Warners Law. And we've been updating on family law issues. Thank you for listening to this Warner Solicitors podcast. To find out more about our expert legal teams and the advice and services they deliver for both individuals and businesses, please go to warners-solicitors.co.uk.